0: This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit horrible and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited, adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. Isidore, Michigan is a small community in the southern part of Centerville Township. When I say small, I mean that all of Centerville Township has a population of 1,095 people, and Isidore is a community inside that township. It was originally named Four Corners, but it was renamed to honor St. Isidore, the patron saint of Farmers. The intersection today consists of the church, a closed school, a rectory built in 1966, a cemetery, and a couple of houses surrounded by farmland on rolling hills. But when you type Isidore into Google, you'll find it's known as a ghost town and widely known for the disappearance and death of Sister Janina. Mary Janina Josephine Mezick was born in Chicago, Illinois on February 18th, 1873. She was the third child to Jan and Joseph Mezick. Her two older brothers were named Frank and Emil. She was not a very good student and actually finished last in her class, but she was a motivated woman by all accounts. She was orphaned at the age of 9 and was raised by the Felician Sisters of Livonia, Michigan. She later entered the Felician community and was given the religious name Janina. In August of 1906, Sister Mary Janina arrived in Isidore, ready to be the first teacher at a brand new Holy Rosary schoolhouse. She was also to serve as mother superior of the small convent located in the school. She was a small and very frail woman who loved to sing and take long walks in the woods. At the school, there were 200 students enrolled, and during winter, many of the students boarded there. Sister Janina was not alone though. She and two other nuns taught, fed, and watched after the students. The three of them stayed in the cubbyhole quarters of the second floor of the schoolhouse. Now, along with the nuns, there was a tall and handsome guy by the name of Father Andrew Binovsky, and he headed the parish. His younger sister, Susan, uh, and a chore boy named Gruba lived there as well, and Binovsky was eccentric, especially for someone leading a Catholic parish. He was really into earthly possessions. He drove a fancy and expensive buggy and had an unusual fascination with rare animals. He owned a whole barrage of odd pets, including a badger, parrots, a fox, and an alligator that he just let roam free. Uh, When it was cold there, he let the alligator sleep in the rectory, But eventually someone who did not like that idea of a stray alligator roaming around town poisoned it and it ended up dying. So when summer finally came and the nuns decided to stay in Isidore instead of returning to the Felician convent in Detroit that they all came from, they spent their days getting their chores done around the schoolhouse and spent their afternoons uh, napping. When Sister Janina arrived in Isidore, she had tuberculosis, and she had frequent visits from Dr. Freilich, who had an office in Maple City, but during this summer, the doctor reported she had overcome the disease. Everyone seemed to love Sister Janina. Her students loved her, the other nuns loved her, all of the parishioners, and even Father Andrew, who was not fond of very many people at all. There was one person, though, who was not a huge fan, and it was a housekeeper, and I'm going to try to pronounce this fucking name the best that I can, Stanisława Lipzinska, and uh, that was a housekeeper, like I said, in the rectory, and uh, she was just a hateful woman in general, so she went by Stella, okay, so we're gonna call her that from now on, and she had migrated to America from Prusia. In her early 20s and was employed by Father Andrew in 1900. Stella was a short and very angry little woman. She was under 5 foot tall, right? She had a 10 year old daughter named Mary as well. And she immediately disliked Sister Janina. She claimed she was lazy and picked flowers outside to avoid her chores. She even disliked Father Andrew who had hired her. She spread rumors about him as well, saying he acted more like a man with three wives than a devout priest. One of the worst things Stella said about Janina was that she was sleeping around. She supposedly called her a whore, saying she was sleeping with Father Andrew and Dr. Freilich. And, uh, Sister Janina just ignored these things and avoided confrontation with her. And she, when, you know, when she would walk by or see her, she would just smile at her and just, Keep her usual uppity disposition, you know, when she was around her. So by the end of August uh, 1907, things were picking up again. The nuns were busy preparing the building for students, and they had their work cut out for them, as the property also had a barn, cemetery, and rectory. The nuns were all super excited because of the upcoming visit from Bishop Richter of Grand Rapids, Michigan to bless the new school. Sister Janina was in charge of flowers, and they were using artificial ones they stored in the basement for decoration around the schoolhouse. On Friday, August twenty third, 1907, all the nuns went upstairs for their afternoon rest, and in the yard below they could see Father Benowski, I'm probably not even pronouncing his fucking last name right. B-I-E-N-I-A-W-S-K-I. Binowski, I don't know. Um, And they saw his sister and Gruba. And they were all setting out for a fishing trip to nearby Lake Leelanau, which is known as, uh at that time it was known as Carp Lake. As they pulled out, they looked up and saw Sister Janina closing her shades. And that was the last anyone ever saw of her. At least that's the last publicly admitted sighting of her. When Sisters Angeline and Joseph went to look for Sister Janina, all they found was a swinging rosary hanging from the doorknob, and she left her prayer book open on the windowsill. It was said that Sister Janina would never be seen without her rosary, and they all found the situation extremely out of the ordinary. They also found the back door of the schoolhouse ajar, and they always kept that locked. They asked Stella and her daughter Mary, and neither of them had seen Janina. So everyone immediately began searching, and all weekend it was just never-ending searching, okay? The main priest and the other two sisters all searched together, even by candlelight at night, and Father Benowski even went to the mother house in Detroit where Janina was sent from, and everyone there believed that Sister Janina would not leave on her own accord, but there were no clues to be found. So when the Traverse City Record Eagle reported about Janina's disappearance the following Monday, they wrote, As the door swung open, there are a hundred things that might have confronted her. It might have been a lover of her younger days, and dead his loss, come into northern Michigan, and taking a desperate chance, kidnapped the woman of his heart. Now, while Father Banowski was in Detroit, Isidore local authorities finally stepped in, okay, a week later, and they started searching everywhere too. They even searched the local lakes and ponds. Um, Unfortunately, much of the area had been trampled by all the locals trying to help, so any evidence to be found, if there was any, was just mixed in with someone else. So when the father returned, he offered up a $500 reward for information on the location of Sister Janina. Nine days after her disappearance, woman's footprints were found in the swamp some appeared to be old but some looked new and fresh later that day more women's prints were found along a road near the church and some brown wool was found in a barbed wire fence nearby three days after that a farmer near the church reported hearing a woman singing from a swamp near his home he also thought he saw a lantern through the trees Now that same night, a group of men who were on the road by the swamp claimed they also heard the singing, but it freaked them out, so they uh, did not follow the sound to investigate, and two days after that, even more tracks were discovered. There were still no signs of Sister Janina herself. But rumors began to spread, and people thought she abandoned the parish, and she threw away her vows and even stole the church's money. And these are all like rumors that are going around. It actually came down to a local paper talking to the church and confirming that no money was stolen. A letter postmarked from Chicago sent anonymously to the church offered up reasoning for her leaving. And One quote from the letter was... Sister Mary Janina, who disappeared from the convent, was not abducted or murdered. She was simply tired of her job and slipped quietly away. And the letter was simply signed, a Protestant Pup. So at the same time all of this was going on, a clairvoyant comes forward saying he knew where she was. He described a house on Glen Lake where he claimed that Janina was being held against her will. So the sheriff from Empire searched the house that fit the description but found absolutely nothing. A group of volunteers gathered to create a search team and comb the woods for Janina. Antrim County Sheriff Bill Kettle brought his bloodhound named Tom. And Tom was an experienced search dog with a lot of success in past cases. But when given the scent of Janina, he kept running to the church basement. And it happened multiple times, but was eventually discounted because they had already searched the basement and found nothing. The two other sisters who had worked with Sister Janina, Angelina and Josephine, they moved away because they were scared of a serial killer who would come back and try to kill them too, because they didn't know what the hell was going on. So later that year, another group searched the woods again, still finding nothing and authorities now believed that she was deceased. So more rumors began to spread, specifically ones about Sister Janina sleeping around. There were suspicions that she was actually pregnant, and the father was either Father Benowski or Dr. Freilich. Both men were close in her life, and Father Benowski... Uh, living in the same building with them and Dr. Freilich uh, paying, you know, a whole bunch of visits to her kind of made the rumors fly and Father uh, Benowski his reputation was completely ruined and he ended up having to leave town and transfer to a new parish because of this so Stella the housekeeper who hated Sister Janina and probably was the source of some of the rumors left there in 1910 after her daughter married a farmer. When she left, she moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to be closer to her daughter and son-in-law. Angelina and Josephine eventually passed away due to consumption, which was tuberculosis, and uh, Gruba moved to Canada and was never heard from again. And in Isidore, they lit candles in the church for Sister Janina and would relight them every single year. So in 1914, Stella moved again, this time to Manistee, Michigan, and Father Benowski had uh, taken up residence at St. Joseph's Church in Manistee, and Stella left Milwaukee to go be his housekeeper again. Meanwhile in Isidore, Father Leo replaced Benowski, but only lasted about three years. After him, Father... (laughs) Jesus, man, these fucking last names. After him, Father Edward Podlashuski served there. When he arrived, he was warned by several other priests that there was a scandal waiting to happen in this church. They told him it needed to be taken care of before it was found out. And the only reason he was told of all this was because he was planning to tear down the old structure and construct a brand new church on site. One night, the father decided to search the building a little bit better, and with help from the church, sexton, a guy named Jacob, flees. They were in the basement, and they discovered a shallow grave. It was dug into a dirt floor, and Father Padlashuski assumed he would find the missing nun there. Well, he wasn't wrong. They did find her, but she was not alone when she was buried. They also found the skeleton of an unborn child. Now here is where things get really messed up. You would think they would be happy and excited to share this news, but instead, the risk of causing a scandal was on a higher level of importance for these guys. Father Padlashuski and Fleas, instead of reporting their findings to the authorities, they decided to move the bodies and rebury them in the church cemetery. And they both agreed to keep this thing a huge secret. As we all know, two people who have a huge secret usually do not keep it a secret for very long. And this was the case with Father Podolashuski. And he confided in his housekeeper, a woman named Martha Miller. Martha told her father, who in turn told Leelanau County Sheriff John Kanookin. This immediately relaunched the investigation. Dr. Freilich, who was Sister Janina's doctor, received her bones and conducted what he could of of an autopsy. He determined the death was a homicide after realizing her skull was fractured. And he believes she was also buried alive, which means she suffocated, you know, in that shallow grave. The investigation led them to her Catholic diocese Sister Janina came from, and while they were there, they led police to Father Binowski, which then led them to the housekeeper at the time, which was that Stella woman, and the church asked the sheriff to keep the pregnancy a secret. It's apparently more important to the diocese to keep a scandal under wraps than discover the secret behind Sister Janina's death and her life. In April of 1919, Kinnekan obtained warrants for both Father Bianowski and Stella Lipzinska, and he was convinced one of them had killed Janina. He really thought it was the priest who killed her to keep the pregnancy a secret, but when the sheriff confronted him, he was very forthcoming with information, and he convinced him that he was actually innocent. And then witnesses told Kinnekan that Stella was the one who killed the nun. It was no secret about her cruelty towards Sister Janina, and it was rumored that she had even assaulted her in the past. So Stella denied all the claims, saying she would never strike a nun. The sheriff ended up placing her under arrest and jailed her in Traverse City. Father Binowski posted her bail and hired a defense attorney for her. The sheriff also interviewed sisters Angelina and Josephine and this was before they had passed away. They both stated they were terrified of Stella during their time at Isidore. They both confirmed that Stella hated sister Janina for no reason and that Janina was also afraid of Stella. Now unfortunately for Stella, her freedom was short lived because her bail was revoked by the court. And while she was incarcerated, the sheriff hired private detective Mary Tylika to go undercover and pose as another inmate to get a confession from Stella. Shortly after she started the undercover work, she was noticing that Stella was acting insane. She would roll around on the floor and refuse to eat. So she was sent to Ann Arbor for a psychiatric evaluation. But after a few weeks, it was concluded that she was only acting insane and she was able to stand trial. She was sent back to northern Michigan where Mary Tylika went back to work. And uh, she was Polish speaking, so she was able to speak to Stella in her native language. And according to Tylika, she in fact got a confession. Now according to the undercover detective... Stella told a Milwaukee priest named Father Nowick her confession, and she says the events went down like this. On the night, Sister Janina went missing. Stella had followed her down into the basement, and when they went to retrieve the artificial flowers, she stunned her, then went to the garden and picked up a spade and beat Janina over the head until she died. She dug a hole under the church, dragged the body to the hole, and placed her inside. As she tried to bury her, the head kept popping up no matter how much dirt she put on top. She then took the backside of the spade and beat her over the head three times with all her might. So, the murder of this nun ended up being a national story, and in Chicago... It was especially huge because stories ran in Grand Rapids Press to Chicago Tribune. When court finally started, there were all kinds of spectators that filled into the courthouse. It was only a 100 seat courthouse and it was like overflowing with people. The courtroom scene was extremely dramatic, and the prosecutor used the confession as evidence. Tylika said that Stella confessed to the father for absolution. But unfortunately, Father Nowick was deceased at the time and could not corroborate the story. Stella claimed that she only confessed because Tylika beat her and coerced her into the confession. She claimed that while in jail, she said that she was led to a room with bones and a skull lit only by two candles, and that the sheriff had manipulated wires to work the skull and make it appear to be speaking, and it said quote-unquote, you killed me, you killed me, and then he thrust the skull into her face. She claimed that then she was hit over the head with a, with a water ladle by a tilica, and that they locked her in a box with the bones, and the detective obviously denied all these claims. So in the courtroom, Dr. Freilich and an assistant took out a box which contained the remains of Sister Janina and her baby, They slowly reassembled the skeletons for dramatic effect and to win over the sympathy of the jury. The assistant doctor actually took the skull and held it in front of Stella's face, to which she did not even react at all. Dr. Freilich testified that Janina bled to death from blunt trauma to the skull, and that she died a slow and painful death. Another local doctor backed up Freilich's testimony, But then a third doctor, who was a pathologist from Chicago, was adamant that the fracture occurred after death. The defense also was going to compare Dr. Freilich's handwriting to the Protestant pup letter and accuse him of being the author. But the judge ended up ruling this inadmissible. Now a woman named Mary Gatsky, who lived in a farmhouse across the street from Holy Rosary, Testified that Stella would come over and gossip about the sisters. And there is a quote from her testimony where she stated, She said the priest was no priest. He was no more than a man with three wives. She called Janina a slut. And then another neighbor by the name of Mrs. Jacob Fleas testified as well. And she said that on the day of the disappearance, Stella had told her that Sister Janina was such a light character, and she allowed Father Banowski and Dr. Freilich into her room even though they were not allowed to do this even on her deathbed. So the defense raised a lot of great questions surrounding the confession, such as why was the body not found during the extensive searches? The body would smell horrible, It was August, and she was barely buried under 18 inches of dirt. And Gruba even slept in the basement at the time and was never alarmed by any kind of smell whatsoever. And the defense brought up the footprints in the swamp and the sightings as well. And even with the defense's points and the absolutely stupid claim of the coercion at the jail, on October 25th, 1919, Stella was convicted and given a life sentence at the Detroit House of Correction. In the newspaper, The Record Eagle, the courtroom scene was described as, With the brown-robed nuns in tears, the large audience fairly grasping at the horrible details, the courtroom presented a dramatic picture as has never before been seen in northern Michigan. The Michigan Supreme Court reviewed the case and upheld the conviction, but in 1927, Michigan Governor Alex Grosbeck pardoned Stella. It is not known why the pardon happened, and Stella ended up being hired as a housekeeper by the Felician Order of the Nuns in Milwaukee, which is the same type of nuns that raised Janina. And Stella ended up dying at the age of 92 in 1961. So in 1922, the renovation of Holy Rosary was complete, and they all hoped this was the beginning of a new era in Isidore, and they could uh, put the tragedy behind them, you know. And for many years, it seemed that may have been the case, as Sister Janina's bones disappeared after the hearing, and no one knew what happened to them. No one talked about the poor nun and her unborn child either. Until 1979, when a Polish attorney from Detroit, a guy named Harry Milostan, started looking into the case. And he wrote a book that put forth this theory called The Errant Nun, and it was written under a pen name of Natsalem. This was the author's last name spelled backward, okay? Basically, his theory is this is that uh, she was pregnant and had a botched abortion and was buried nearby, and later a handyman found the body and moved them to the church basement. So natzalism does not believe the father was Father Benowski. The Catholic Church backs up this claim, and they have apparently said they know who it actually was, but were unable to tell because the secret was revealed in Confession. An anonymous source from the church has claimed it was church hearsay that Stella was innocent. So in Isidore, the case is never spoken of, and the ones who lived during this tragedy have all since passed away. So when all them passed away, all the knowledge that the townsfolk had also went with them, and it seems like it was a very close-knit parish the fact that Stella's daughter married a local man, and their extremely religious beliefs also kept everyone quiet. So there is a rumor of documents that contain more information and more clues, and there are unpublished writings of a Detroit reporter who did cover the trial. Natsalem claimed in the book that he was able to read these, but it's never been proven if they even exist at all. In 1965, a young man named Milan Stitt decided to write a play about the story that his wife had told him. She grew up in the Isidore area and heard that a priest of Holy Rosary was tried for killing a nun. And the story was a little off, but Stitt was actually glad he heard the wrong version first because he said the original tale would not have inspired him so much. So after he wrote this entire screenplay, he decided he wanted to visit the actual town and the Holy Rosary, and it was a pretty crazy moment for him. He said, For metaphoric reasons, I had always imagined that the church sat on the hill overlooking the town. When you see that it actually did was quite a shock. So the real kicker for him, though, was that when he walked into the rectory, He saw that the wallpaper was the exact same as what he described in a screenplay. He also was looking through transcripts of the trial and he found a testimony that was word for word one that he had made up for a character in the play. And the play was a huge hit too. It's called The Runner Stables and in 1979 the play actually went to Broadway. And another weird connection was that the costume designer's grandfather was a member of the jury of Stella's trial. So the play ended being a made-for-TV movie starring Dick Van Dyke, and apparently it sparked the topic of Isidore again. Jackie Budd, who grew up in the parish, said, The movie was kind of a catalyst that opened up talk about the murder. Before that, it was never mentioned. Now, Sister Janina's remains are still not located, and the Holy Rosary wrote her out of the history books completely. The father was never discovered, and apparently the killer was either set free or was never found to begin with. So it seems that, unfortunately, she will forever be the missing nun.